Violence against Asian Americans still on the rise. A personal defense for our beloved Governor Andrew Cuomo. And guys, are we ready to open up yet? How you doing, fam? Welcome to the Millennial Boomer Podcast. It's your host, Jonathan. Let's get it. Okay, I hope uh, everybody's doing well. Uh, we're in uh, interesting times here. There's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, the weather. The weather is is getting warmer, okay? And, uh, you know, people are more excited to be outside. We're sick of the snow. I'm, I'm talking about New York. I don't know where else you all listen to, but in New York, it's been terribly cold for the past two, three months, and uh, we're, we're tired of it. So I'm glad the weather's getting warmer. I'm glad... Uh, there's some enthusiasm of people actually wanting to meet with people because that's what we need right now. We need we need more human interaction, guys. And I'm going to talk a lot about this a little later today. Uh, but it's good news, right? So the weather's getting better. People are feeling better. We have a new uh, vaccine coming out by Johnson & Johnson. Apparently, it has uh, aborted, you know, some cell fetus line. I don't know how exactly it's explained. It's like a duplicate of the fetus cells, so be excited about that. Uh, we have uh, hospitalization rates going down. Interestingly enough, they're going down day one of Biden being president. So as soon as January 20th hit, I guess the coronavirus hospitalization rates decided to, you know, take a dip. Isn't that something? Also, we got the non-fungible tokens that are getting popular. For those of you that are in the crypto world and the digital currency world, there's this there's this thing called, apparently it's a thing, a non-fungible token uh, where you can monetize this online graphic or art or tweet or meme or GIFs and people will buy them, okay? they Apparently they have some value and we are buying and selling NFTs now or non-fungible tokens. We live in crazy times, folks. Look, I don't know what to tell you. You know, <laughs> throughout the lockdown, People have, you know, the, the, the nice way to put it is we've been creative and we found ways to talk to each other online and, and all these things. And we've also created a much more accelerated form of a digital virtual world or reality. And uh, look, I don't know if that's really healthy for us, right? I mean, look, we, we are a communal people. Right? We're designed to be within communities, but this, this unprecedented situation has forced us to adapt to, to do things that uh, go against what I think is human nature. But look, I'll talk more about that. We live in crazy times. We live in weird times, man. And, um, you know, especially with, with all the, the, Asian, the Asian violence that's going up uh, with the pandemic and, and all these sorts of things that are coming out. I'm going to try to cover some of these things today. But uh, look, first, I want to share. I'm going to start off with a story. And um, I think you may know why I'll, I'll, I'm sharing this story, but it is something that happened recently. So uh, about two weeks ago, I was I was helping out my boss. And uh, he, he needed, he was going through the process of getting a green card. So for those of you that are familiar, when you are towards the end process of getting your green card, you have to go through an interview. <clears throat> now, he was getting the green card through an invitation with family. 
And because of Trump, now you have to go do interviews, even with family invitation. Before Trump, apparently, you didn't have to do any kind of um, interviews. So I help him through this process. I'm, I'm only really there as a backup translator, right? Like a real backup, backup translator. They have translators usually on premise uh, through the phone. So we go to we go to the city and uh, we go through the federal building somewhere in downtown. And, uh, you know, it's 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 typical federal building uh, layout. You go inside and there's a really nasty woman who who tells you to hurry up and go. Uh, you know, typical New York ass assholery. Right. And, uh, you know, we're going through the different checking points. You got to go through here. Then you got to go through there. And uh, and you finally get to the last waiting room of where the interview is going to happen between uh, my boss and the interviewer. And they ask, you know, questions like, have you ever done this? You know, have you ever done that? You know, simple, basic questions. You know, are you a criminal? Do you do you engage in drugs or selling drugs or terrorism? You know, all that bullshit. Right. I mean, whatever. Like the questions are, are, are so outrageous. Some of them I, I did. I did take a look and uh you know, I, I don't I mean, I don't know, like the U.S. When I think about the U.S. immigration system and the questions that they ask, it's like, when was the last time that this has been updated? Because these are questions that I felt are maybe relevant back in the 90s. Right. You're asking about terrorism. You're asking about, you know, bringing in weapons. And I mean, who on their right mind is going to go to this interview and say, yes. Yes, I, I brought in weapons. Yes, I smuggled drugs. Yes, I'm part of a, of a crime organization. Like, like who's going to do that in, a, in an interview? Right? It makes, it makes no sense. But anyway, that's apparently the things that they ask. So I'm there. And uh, we get to the final waiting room, right? Me, my boss, his father, who is the invitee. And um, we're, in the, we're, we're, we're there. And as soon as we get to the waiting room, there, there's a security guard, right? He's sitting, he's sitting right in front of the waiting room. <clears throat> and um, I'm holding a cup of, I think it was like Dunkin' Donuts, you know, iced coffee. And he tells me, hey, hey, you have, to, you have to throw that out. I'm like, all right, relax. I'll throw it out. You know, no need to get all fucking, you know, like a little, a little uh, uh, anxious about some fucking coffee. So I, so there's, I'm looking for a garbage can, right? I'm looking for a garbage can. And uh, right, right behind them, there is a garbage can. So I asked him nicely, like, sir, can I, can I throw this out, you know, behind you? And he comes to me and he says, no, 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 you can't throw it out there. So I'm like, okay. Uh, you know, he, he, he doesn't want me to enter this waiting room until I throw out this fucking coffee. And there's a garbage can right behind this desk. And he like, it's not even part of his desk. It's like five steps behind the desk in, in, the, in like this long hallway, right? So he says no, and I'm holding this coffee. And, um, you know, I, I look at the, I look inside the room, the waiting room. It's a large wa uh, waiting room and there's a garbage can there. And I said, look, can I, can I throw it out there? And he just, he just looks at me and he gives me this sign like, you know, like, like, in other words, just, just it's, it's him telling me to shut up and go in. Right. So he's being a dick. Uh, nothing new. Right. Many New Yorkers we're a bunch of dicks. I can be a dick. I get it. All right. He hates his fucking job. He probably hates his life. His wife isn't probably fucking him. I don't know the deal. Whatever the issue is, uh, it is what it is. Okay. So I go in the room. 
right? He tells me just just go in, or gives me the hand motion, and I'm and I'm there, and I'm sitting down there, and I see the garbage can. There's a garbage can inside the waiting room that's a little further out there, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm just gonna finish this coffee, and I'm just gonna throw it out there. Maybe about two minutes in, right? Two minutes later, the guy comes storming inside the waiting room, points the he starts pointing at me, and he says, "You get out, get out now, get." He's like making a huge fucking fuss. Get out now, get out now, and I'm like. Dude, like relax. All right, what's the what's the what's the problem? And uh, you know, I get up and I'm looking at him. And he's looking at me and we're having this uh this sort of stare down moment, right? In this in the fucking waiting room with I'm with this security guy. And I'm looking at him and he's looking at me and this literally this like staring back and forth. You guys try to imagine happens for literally literally about a minute. It was a long minute. And inside that minute, you know, I, I'm going through all the scenarios, right? I'm going through, okay, like, you know, uh, this guy, if I get into a little scrap with him, um, you know, what if he pulls out like a fucking taser gun or some some weapon on me, you know? Like, okay, there's a good chance he probably has something. He has like this belt on him that has different sorts of tools. I'm sure there's something that he can use to subdue me. So I'm like, okay, in that case, I'll definitely lose the fight. But even if I lose the fight... I'm going to make sure I hurt this motherfucker. I'm going to make sure that if I, even if I go down, that something, that something of his body or some, he will receive some sort of damage that will be permanent. And he will remember for the rest of his fucking life that he messed with the wrong person. So it's, this, all this is going inside my head during the stare down. And, uh, you know, it's building up, right? The tension is really building up. And, uh, and, uh, you know, it's like that moment where I'm about to snap, right? Like, I don't, maybe some of you guys know about this moment. It's like this anger that comes out. Like, I rarely get angry. Um, well, I, I mean, I get angry here and there, but I don't get to the point of the boiling point where, you know, I'm going to do something that gets violent. So, I'm, you know, it's getting, it's building up to that point where, you know, this fucking, you know, douchebag security guard. And, uh, and my, my, my boss, he, he sees what's going on. He pulls me over. He says... It's like, what are you doing? You know, this is, you know, like, what are you doing? Like, this is, this is my fucking green card interview day. Stop this fucking nonsense. Okay. So he pulls me to the side. Told him, I'm sorry. You know, the whole situation, he saw what happened. You know, his father saw what happened. The whole room saw what, what what's going on, right? It was ridiculous. So, uh, you know, uh, someone in the waiting room told the security guard, look, he's just going to throw out the coffin. He's just going to, he's going to sit. All right. Like, you know, we don't have to, you know, this doesn't have to be a thing. So, you know, I do that, right? I throw out the coffee and I sit down and, and I look at him and he looks at me and he gives a little grunt and he's all pissy for no fucking reason, right? He sits back down. Whatever, right? It is what, you know, just let it go. Not, not worth the trouble, right? After I cool down a bit, I realized completely not, like, like if I get into a fight with the security guard, whose side are, are the people going to take? Me or the security guard? You know, it's, you know, you're not thinking straight. So, Fast forward like three minutes, another Asian family walks in and this Asian family walks in and they're like a family of maybe four or five. I can't remember. And then the, and they're, they're going in. And uh, I remember the security guard now yelling again at this Asian family. I think they were Chinese <clears throat> at this family saying, hey, you, you can't go in. You can't go in. You can, no, you can't go. You, you outside. Well, you don't understand English. You outside. And I'm just like, son, what the fuck is this dude's problem? You know, people, people here in, in this, 
in this specific room within this federal building are here on a almost, you know, joyous, potential joyous day, right? If they pass the interview, which I, I'm assuming most do, they're going to get their they're going to get their green card and they're they will be legals, you know, legal residents of the United States. This is, you know, a tense moment for people. It's nerve wracking to some people. I mean, and you got this guy who's being a complete asshole to, in my perception now, uh, to Asians, right? Uh, he's just being a complete dick. And and uh, how that whole situation panned out, there was this young kid within the Asian family, and he's sort of going back and forth verbally with the guy, with the security guy. And I think even he himself came to the realization where, look, if I go down with this security guard, there's doesn't matter what happens, I'm going to lose at the end of the day, right? Like, if you fight with a security guard, you're going to lose, right? I mean, this dude, and let me just kind of describe him, right? He's probably in his, he's older. He's probably in his 50s or 60s. He's a tall, and I'm going to assume he's European, of European descent. And, uh, you know, the guy obviously hates his life and hates his job, right? Probably has mental issues as well. Maybe he's a fucking racist, maybe not, I don't know, right? The way that he was targeting me and the way he was targeting that Asian family, it seemed a little, you know, seems a little suspect, right? Like, why only us two you're, you're berating versus all the other people here, right, that, that walked in? Now, anyway, anyway, why am I telling the story? Look, it's this, it's this uh, sense of, it's the sense of anger, right, that, that people have. <clears throat> it's the sense of where people can get to this boiling point of, of uh, you know, you can't hold it, so now you have to react. You have to burst out in some sort of violent physical way. Now, in my case, it, or, or in my case, or maybe even the case of the other Asian dude who's part of that Chinese family that was being kicked out, uh, maybe it was justified to some degree, right? If we were to, uh, you know, react out in a way and it got, you know, it got physical, it got violent, right? People, if it was, if the whole situation was videotaped, people can say, you know, there is some justification behind what happened. And I think about this and I think about that anger, I think about violence, right? And I'm, and now I'm constantly seeing, we're all seeing it, right? You and I, we're all seeing it constantly on the on social media. You are seeing Asian Americans who are typically, you know, elderly, can't really defend themselves, being singled out, attacked, sometimes killed, uh, robbed, assaulted. And I'm looking at it video after video and a lot of the pattern, right, seems to be similar. Right. But when there's, there's one other thing that's really similar is most of these attacks, most of these attacks, they were unprovoked. Let's talk about that for a second. Most of these attacks were unprovoked. Right. Like meaning there was like these are two strangers where right? you have a stranger, Asian American, you have uh, a stranger, non-Asian American. Right. And uh, this this person decides to attack. This attack violently, whether it's push, shove, snuff, punch, sucker punch, whatever it may be, to uh, the victim. Now, and I'm thinking about that, right? I'm thinking like, what, what made this person, what made this 
you know, criminal get to the point where he just breaks, right? He just, he, he, like mentally, something is obviously broken. Something obviously ain't right up there. Because that's not a normal thing to do. You don't just attack people when there was absolutely no interaction before, ever before. And you attack them solely on the basis maybe of race, right? I, I can't, not all cases are hate crimes, but for the ones that we do see where Asians are being attacked, uh, maybe they are attacking them because they're Asian. Maybe they are robbing them because they look weaker and, and they're not as defended. But that moment that it happens, right? That moment that it happens, I'm thinking, you know, what is going on in that person's head? You know, what is going on in that person's head that makes them think it's okay to do this? That makes them think, you know, that this is an, a, a justifiable thing that that person can do. You know, is it is it is it the media? Is it our media and the way that uh, Asian Americans are being portrayed as weak? You know, uh, don't fight back, keep your heads low and never make any trouble. Is it that sort of sentiment that gives these attackers some strange sense of courage to do acts of violence? You know, did something happen in your life where you were very upset and pissed off and you had a you had a let off steam? So you let off steam on the most weakest targets that you could see. What is it? You know, what is what is the sickness that we're seeing within people? Right. It is it is a real sickness. And uh, and I'm thinking about, you know, at those exact moments, could something have happened where they didn't proceed with their attacks? Could something have happened where, you know, maybe they decided, look, maybe this isn't the right thing to do. Guys, we live, you know, the truth is we live in a broken society. You know, we live in a broken world. Right. Pe people getting hurt isn't really new whether you're Asian or black or white. And throughout this pandemic and, and, and even before, there are, there are uh, parts of American lives, right? Uh, within pockets of an American society where people are really broken. People are really hurt. People are angry. And at the end of the day, human beings were flawed, right? So out of that hurt and brokenness and anger, they act out in massive violence, right? I mean, we see this time and time again. And now what we're seeing on social media a lot more is now Asian Americans, you know, receiving the brunt, right? Receiving the brunt of this physical outburst that we're seeing, whether it's from, you know, individuals of, uh, within the black community or whether it's, uh, you know, white people, Hispanic people, whatever it is. You're seeing, you're seeing it in that moment when you see it. I'm always thinking, what is going on in that person's head, man? What is going on in that person's head? You know, I think I think a lot about this sometimes, and and I and I didn't I didn't talk about Asian American violence for the past two episodes because inside I'm a little sick of talking about it. Right? I mean, I'm a little sick of talking about it. Like I I've said everything that I need to say that I need to say. Uh, it's out there, and uh, it's funny because now I see what people are saying now, and when I what I see people are saying now, it it now they're kind of getting it right. People are saying, "Wait, wait a second. We can't just blame everything on white supremacy, 
right? We can't just blame everything on, on anti-blackness, right? Like there are real issues and real uh, conversations that need to be had that goes beyond the lazy excuses of anti-blackness and white supremacy. And I'm slowly seeing that, right? And I'm slowly seeing that. And I've been, I've been saying this, right? This is something that I've been speaking about even last year. So when I, when I see this, and I see more Asian Americans are now just being a little bit more honest with themselves, right? A little bit more honest within their friend circles and their friend groups and say, hey, look, uh, this, is ha this has been going on, right? This is not just part of the pandemic problem um, or a byproduct of the pandemic. This, is, this isn't just a byproduct of Trump saying it's the Chinese virus. This has been going on and we need to address it uh, in a very honest way, right? Right? Uh, you know, and I'm seeing that more. So I'm, I'm happy for that. I'm happy that we're opening our eyes a little bit more, not everybody, but a little bit more and saying, look, let's 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 put white supremacy on the side for a little bit. And can we get to some real like, let's be really honest. Can we get to some real honest conversations? Right. And that that conversation, it needs to happen, you know, within the Asian American community first. We have to understand what's happening. And then we have to see other community leaders and our community leaders stepping out and having these conversations and bringing that message back to whatever community, right? I've been saying that. Yeah, I've been saying that because, you know, when, when you look at the more bigger, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit, I'm going to go a little bit bigger here, right? You have to, you cannot deny, you cannot deny that human beings are innately, by nature, right? We are very tribal, Okay, we are very tribal. What does that mean, right? It's tribalism. It's always this mentality of us versus them. Okay, and, and when you have that, when you have these in-groups, right? When, and, and, you know, this happens in every pocket of where there's human beings, right? You're always going to have people that are in one group, and then you're going to have people in another group. Sometimes that group is divided by race. Sometimes that group is divided by interests. It's divided, you know, by class, whatever it may be. You're going to have that, right? That's how people naturally, you know, gravitate, uh, gravitate towards. Now, a lot of times, right, this tribalism, uh, it, it leads to violence, right? It leads to hate. And why am I saying this? Guys, us being a tribal people, that's not something. Okay, that is not something that the U.S. government can fix. Okay, uh, less policing doesn't make us less tribal. <laughs> All right, uh, uh, reformative justice or transformative justice doesn't make us less tribal. All right, there, in other words, there always will be a level of violence. There will always will be a level of an us versus them mentality. And... That's just part of human nature. Okay, that's how we survived all the way to how we are here today. Okay, that's why we have borders in countries. Okay, you have, you know, we, you know this whole movement of we should have no borders, right? No borders. Uh, the, the, you know, America with, with South American border, there should be no border. People should just go in and out all willy-nilly like that's, no. That's not, that's, not how, that's not how society works. You guys remember when... Uh, was it in Washington? I can't forget. I mean, I can't remember. I, I forget where it was. It was there was there was a time when there was this uh, group of 
leftists that decided maybe it was was in Portland, was in Seattle. They decided to create a subsection within their city and call it the uh, Chad, right? Or Chaz. You guys remember that? You guys remember that? Guess what was the first thing that these people did the moment they decided that this part of the city, this part of their land is now going to be called Chad or Chaz. Guess what, guess what the first thing that they did was? They built fucking borders. Okay? They built barricades. They put up barricades and say, no, this is our land. This is our, this is us. This is our land. These are our people. You can't just, you can't just come in. Right? There's got to be some sort of process if you, you know, in and out. Right, guys? And I'm not, and what I'm saying is, look, that's human beings. And for you to deny that that natural part of man is you just being completely dishonest, right? We got to talk honestly here, folks. Okay, tribalism is part of who we are. Okay, we, we want our group to win. We want our group to thrive. Now, I don't know you know, what you guys believe in. I don't know what religion you guys are. I don't know that. And I, and I rarely talk about, you know, religion and faith, but, you know, in, at this moment, I think it's important to, to do so. The core tenant, one of the main things about being a Christian, right? One of the main things about being a follower of Christ is that there is, there is this belief, right? That whether it's me or whether it's you, or whether it's some person in a third world country, or whether it's that, you know, a suburban hillbilly, whatever it may be. Uh, we're, all, we're all human beings, and we're all created in the image of God, right? In other words, we're all equal. The one-year-old child that was just born versus the 99-year-old person who looks like they're going to pass away any moment soon, both of their lives, right, are equal. Now, why am I saying this? Why, why, am, I, why am I saying this? Because, yes, human beings, were tribal. Yes, that is, that is part of human nature. And to, and to uh, you know, the more educated and better versions of human beings, we want to kind of fight against tribalism, right? Because we want to respect uh, people within our group, people outside our group. We want to we respect every human being as an equal person, worthy, you know, in terms of value, we're, we're worth the same, right? If you want to put a value, you know, there is, there is no greater, there is no less than when it comes to one human being versus the other, right? Now, that concept may seem, that concept may seem somewhat universal, Somewhat like, oh, we, we all agree that that is the truth. But uh, look, look at the way we treat each other. You know, look at the way. Look at just look at the way we treat each other. Right. That universal truth, if it is a universal truth, does not play out at all. And as a Christian, right, even myself, I have to constantly, I have to constantly remind myself, yes, I'm Asian. Yes, I'm Korean. Yes, I'm an American. Yes, I'm a male, right? And I'm all and I'm and I have all these identities. But the greatest, the greatest, the most important identity that I hold, the most the most important identity that I have, is that I'm a child of Christ, 
right? I'm a follower of Jesus. That's to me, that's that's the most important fucking thing. Right? And when you believe that, then you also have to believe that all human beings, right, all of mankind are created in the image of God. So when you have that, when you have that that notion, that idea, that belief, then you have to slowly fight against this idea of your identity, right? Of, of who, what you hold so dear to you, what's important to you as, a, as an identity. That can't be the main thing of who you are, right? You have to start looking at other people and say, look, that person, uh, he, that person is created in the image of God and that person has equal value, right? Their life is worth the same as mine. I'm not greater than, than that person. That person isn't greater than me. This concept is extremely hard to put into reality, right? Not many of us, first of all, understand that. And second of all, uh, not many of us ever put that to practice, right? Just look at the way we treat each other. Look at what the names that we call each other, especially during this pandemic, right? Especially during this pandemic, as we're all, we, we're all keyboard warriors, right? By default, uh, look at the things and words that we hurl to each other. And it's ridiculous, Okay, uh, the you know this this us vs them mentality. If you want to break that down, right? I believe if you want to really break that down, if you really want to see a coming together between different communities, different ethnicities, right? Within America, I'm not even talking about outside of America. I'm just talking. Let's just say within America. Okay, let's start small, right? Within peoples of our communities, if you want to see a coming together, there needs to be a sense of my community. And their community, we're no better, okay? And that includes white people, folks. I know we, I know, hating on the white man is the most uh, popular thing to do in 2020 and 2021. But guys, even white people, their lives, right, are no greater or no less than than black lives. Black lives are no greater or no less than Asian lives. Okay, that's not taking away any of the things that. Each community has communities have gone through historically and presently. All right. We're not taking any of that away by you saying that all these lives are worth the same in terms of value when it comes to under God's eyes. Okay. Now, you gotta, to me, if you really want to see a sort of change, right? A sort of, of communities of coming together, that has to be established. That has to be fundamentally established before anything else or else tribalism will, will always just take hold right my community is better my community needs more my and there's nothing wrong with advocating for your people i always say that right there's nothing wrong for advocating for uh the jewish people the black black people or or asian there's not there's nothing wrong with that but as you do that know that even if you're advocating for your people know in terms of each life each life and their value it's not greater or it's not less than than the ones in your communities. Okay, so guys, that's you know that's something that I felt like um, maybe in the past, maybe in the past uh, two episodes I might have I might have left out. Oh, I'm sorry. In the past, like what was it like yeah, two episodes I might have not said, and I felt like um, you know, look, many of you you may not agree with me right on that, but I felt like it needed to be said. Okay, so uh, it's been said, and uh, it's out there. All right, it's out there. Look, guys, I want to talk about 
Um, just real quick, right? When it comes to when it comes to this idea of vigilante justice, right, or vigilante uh, actions, right? It's this it's this uh, th- this idea that hey, look, Asian Americans were being attacked, so we need to arm ourselves. Right, you see this a lot in the comments here and there, and we need to we need to stay strapped, folks. Asians, you gotta stay strapped. Elders, you gotta stay strapped. Now look, I'm a little hesitant, right, with that way of thinking. Okay, I'm not against, uh, you know, uh, individuals within America defending themselves. Right, that's totally fine. Right, if that's what you want to do, go ahead. I'm not against that. What I am kind of, what I am kind of a little hesitant about is if we all decided collectively, Asian Americans, to, you know, uh, carry a gun. And if shit gets, you know, shit gets wrong, then we're going to pull the trigger here and there. Imagine every time that there was an attack on Asians, the Asian person pulled the trigger. Imagine what that'll do. Is that the kind of society or is that the kind of answer that, you know, that we're looking for? Right. We have to teach people a lesson. If you fuck with Asians and you're just going to, you know, just going to get shot. Like, is that the kind of message that we're trying to give? I totally get why the calls for staying strapped. Right. And, and holding holding weapons like I get why. But at the same time, at the same time, I, I don't know if that is the best solution. Right. I'm not here offering another alternative. Well, then how do you keep your elders safe, right? Like, I'm not even so sure about, you know, we see out in like San Francisco and different parts of the United States where you have community members patrolling the streets, right? Like, I'm not even sure if that is, like, what do you guys think? Like, to me, that just falls, that's just you doing the work of a police officer, Right? That's just you being a police officer that's not being paid. There's no difference. Okay, So, so these guys are patrolling the streets. Let's say you see uh, you know, uh, uh, an Asian person getting harassed. And uh, what, you got four or five guys jumping on that one person that is harassing and beats the living shit out of them. What do you, what do you think the news is going to come out to be? Okay, What do you think, you know, how do you think the world is going to, how do you think the U.S., media, right, or our society, or, or the current state of, of our political, you know, climate, how is that going to look? So again, I don't know if, I don't know if that is the best way, right? Again, I'm not here saying I have all the answers. I'm not, I'm not here saying I have the best solution. But, you know, to me, when you have community policing, right, when you have communities patrolling, and I see a lot of, you know, people clapping about that and saying, yeah, that we need more of that. Um, I don't know. Is that is that is that the way to go? Right? Is that the way forward? Because that hasn't to me. I don't think that that's really been tested. So you know, if it, as long if it's happening and it's keeping people safe and the numbers are going down, then sure. Ultimately, it is a short term fix. The the people that are <clears throat> patrolling the streets, you know, they're not getting paid to do it. They're not going to do it forever. You constantly will need more and more people to do it. You know, it's a short-term fix for a much deeper-rooted problem. So vigilante justice and, uh, you know, communities uh, patrolling the streets. What do you guys think? Because to me, that's not, that's not a long-term fix. And that's not something that, 
that I see ending well, right? It's not going to age well, in my opinion, right? What am, what am I asking for? Need more honest dialogue, right? Bring the communities together, respect each other as equal human beings. Let's not compare, you know, who's been through the worst uh, historic oppression in America, right? That, that conversation gets nowhere. That you know, I had a conversation a long time ago with a friend, and um, she was telling me how the black community has gone through so much worse than the Asian American community. And I said, look, first of all, that, that way of thinking to me, it might, you know, it's incorrect, right? You can't be comparing what black people went through and then what the Asian Americans went through in America, right? It's two different, you're comparing apples and oranges. Our starting points are different. We went through different things. There are places where uh, what we have in common, there's commonality, but our struggles are uniquely different. And for you to compare, and this is what I said to her, for you to compare and say one is greater or lesser, one struggle is greater or lesser than the other, is you're diminishing, right? Uh, uh, not, not purposely, but you are diminishing the struggle of what Asians have been through. And this conversation, you know, it happened, I think, around last year during like the height of, of, the, of the Black Lives Matter movement. And I remember having that dialogue. And uh, and look, I, I thought it was I thought it was a good conversation. Look, we need more conversations within Asians. Okay, guys, if you're if your friend circles, I'm gonna assume that if you're an Asian American, your friend circles are probably Asian, right? You guys need to have honest dialogues with each other, right? What what is the problem? How can we help, right? What do we understand? What are we missing? And uh, you know where where is the end game in all this? Right? The end game isn't Asians are going to stop all of a sudden being harassed. The, the end game isn't, you know, a, a crime, crime, uh, crimes against Asian Americans have now fallen to zero. No, 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 that, that's, that's, that will never happen. Okay, that, that will never happen. But, you know, is it reducing? Because right now it looks like there is an upward trend. Uh, or it's just we're just seeing more actual reports coming through. I don't know. I don't know the actual, uh, you know, numbers here. But... You know, it just, you know, when it comes to news, it looks like it's an upward trend. How do we get to a downward trend? All right, guys, look, enough about, enough about Asian Americans and uh, us getting attacked. Look, I know last week and the weeks before, maybe was it last week? Was it two weeks? Last week and two weeks, I've been shitting on Cuomo a lot. And I want to talk about I want to talk about Andrew Cuomo because look, Andrew Cuomo, <clears throat> Andrew Cuomo, uh, you know he's been he's been getting he's been getting a lot of he's been getting a lot of heat, right? He's been getting a lot of shit, and you know, to be fair, right? To be fair, uh, I've been on a tear about him. I I get that, I, you know that's, but to be fair, the guy has been a good governor throughout the COVID pandemic. And now let me now before you 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 know you guys go nuts at me because it looks like both conservatives and liberals, you know, it's very popular to shit on the guy right now. Like I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to give you a quick defense of why I believe Andrew Cuomo 
is not as bad as a, and a disgusting human being as the media and as social media is putting him out to be. Look, first of all, if you guys don't know, I am a Republican, right? I am a Republican. And there is a ton that I disagree with our beloved governor, all right? I disagree with his stance on abortion, on gun control, same-sex marriage, you know, some some just, you know, broad things that I just completely disagree with him, with him on, right? I disagree with him on uh, the disgusting comments that he made about Republicans and conservatives back in 2014, right? He said something along the lines of, if you're a Republican or if you're a far-right conservative or right-winger, then New York has no place for you, right? You don't belong in New York, get out. He said, so, I'm paraphrasing here, he said something along those lines. And I remember reading that. And I'm like, this motherfucker has lost all respect of any conservatives that live in New York, right? Because he was saying that out of, um, out of it was out of a response of something, some event that was going on. And the way he said it, it made it just seem like, even if you're not a right, an ultra right wing person or an ultra, cons you know, hardcore conservative or Republican, if you're just a Republican or a conservative and you hold these values, then, then you have no place in New York, right? Like, that's the message that a lot of conservatives and Republicans got from Andrew Cuomo. So this is the guy that I'm going to defend right now. Okay, this is the guy. Look, you guys know, I can shit on Andrew Cuomo all day. Okay, all day. Now, for me, regardless of politics, right, regardless of what he said and what he stands for, these are the facts. He is still the governor of New York. Okay, hello guys, wake up call. He is still your governor. And whether I like it or not, right, I low-key still kind of root for the guy, right? I want him to do well. I want him to thrive, just like how I want uh, Mayor de Blasio to do well, right? You guys know I'm, not, I'm no fan of Mayor de Blasio. Most New Yorkers aren't from what I can tell. Uh, but at the end of the day, I still want him to make the right decisions. I still want him to do well because him doing well, in my head, ultimately translates to New York City doing well, right? So for Governor Cuomo to do well and to do the right things and say the right things and make the right decisions is ultimately beneficial for the state of New York. Just like I want our half, you know, dead president, Sleepy Joe, to do well. Of course I'm rooting for Sleepy Joe. He's still, whether you like him or not, whether you think he's just a puppet to the Democratic Party, whether you think Kamala Harris is the true president, whether whatever you think of, of Sleepy Joe, yeah, of Joe Biden, he is still the motherfucking president of the United States. Make no mistake, right? And as, a, as an American, of course I support him. And as an American, of course I want him to do well. Of course I want him to succeed, right? Because he's the president of the country that I live in. All right. Now, now let's talk about let's talk about Cuomo, right? So, so besides, in terms of the pandemic, right? In terms of since last March, besides the nursing home debacle, right? He did okay, guys. If you don't remember, now look, I've been, I've been, I was watching the news uh, with uh, daily briefings of Trump and Cuomo every time they were on. It was almost a daily thing, right? It was a part of my life. I woke up in the morning. Uh, he would get on the news about 10, 11 o'clock, right? I think it was around 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, and I would watch him speak for an hour, 
and it would bring some sort of peace, some sort of solace that, to me, it looked like Andrew Cuomo was really stepping up and being the leader that we needed. Because obviously, uh, Trump wasn't, right? Trump was not being that leader. He was just dodging, saying stupid shit all the time, couldn't, couldn't stand the guy at the time. Uh, but Cuomo, you know, he looked calm, he looked collected, he looked focused, you know, no games. And uh, he was on daily, every day, every day he was on. And he was trying to give the facts and he was trying to give the reality of the situation, not sugarcoating what was happening. Okay, he, his leadership showed, uh, even to the rest of the United States, that Andrew Cuomo is a real leader, right? He's a, he's a real leader in, 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 ter in, terms of, in times of crisis. The guy is a wartime conciliary, all right? The guy is a wartime president, right? He, he, you can feel that he was poised. He was calm. He knew the situation, and he did what he thought was best for the lives of New Yorkers. You can't deny that. If you were watching that every day, you saw that, right? You saw what he was doing. And uh, look, he gave reality checks daily. He didn't mince words, all right? Sometimes he kept New Yorkers a little, you know, off edge with some banter and some teasing playfulness. I mean, that's, that was fine, right? You know, there was even a time when he put, you know, politics aside and thanked uh, Donald Trump for whatever support that New York got. So there were those times when, when he was sort of shining, right? Now, now what, I'm, you know, what I'm saying is, guys, I don't want you guys to just completely forget about those times. Okay? Yes, he made bad decisions with the nursing homes. Absolutely. Okay? Uh, putting COVID patients back inside nursing homes was a disastrous call, a disastrous decision made by... Cuomo, right, which ended up killing uh, potentially thousands and thousands of more elderly that didn't need to go that way, right? You, like, you know, we had space. We had the, the ship. I forgot the ship's name. We had the Javits Center that was barely in use. We had different places where we could have put these COVID patients in, not just jam them back in the nursing homes. It was a bad call, all right? It ended up in a lot of death. Now, what was even worse, he was playing politics, Right? He covered up the numbers. He didn't tell the truth on how many people actually died during that time. And he held those numbers because he didn't want to give ammunition to Donald Trump, his political rival, uh, to shit on him. Right? He was, he was playing politics. Just like how every other politician plays politics, he was playing politics. Right? It, wasn't, it wasn't the best thing to do, obviously, during the pandemic. But let's be real here, guys. It's not just him. A lot of Democrat governors were doing the same thing. All right. Now, look, he yes, he looked at like an absolute idiot. Right. Going on CNN with his with his brother, uh, Chris Cuomo, doing this, you know, younger brother, older brother routine, this Cuomo brother routine. That look, that was stupid. That was unnecessary. All right. And yeah, he he absolutely took advantage of his rising stardom within the Democratic Party and wrote a book about how, you know, his leadership and what he did and his his administration, how they handled and uh <clears throat> done well with the whole COVID situation. And he made money off that between the hundreds of thousands to millions. Yes, he did that. Yes, that seemed like a big mistake. And now and now his political career, right, is looking like uh, it's coming to a bad end, right? You got allegations of sexual harassment. 
Okay, you got you got allegations of sexual harassment. That's it seems like every day there's a new person, you know, raising their hand and said, Oh, he said some weird things to me. Oh, he touched me in an inappropriate way. Now look, I'm gonna I'm gonna I feel for the guy, right? I feel for the guy because there were there are, you know, I went through something that was similar. It was different, but similar, right? And uh you know, when I look at these stories, when I look at these women coming forward, um, the first two or three women that came forward, I think it was the first two, right? Lindsay and uh, what was the other name? Charlotte. When they came forward, the story looked pretty credible, except the physical kissing part of that we, we can't prove. But the rest of how he was being just creepy, you know, how he just wanted to smash and he just wanted some young wop, like, I get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that I can see Andrew Cuomo doing that. Um, shouldn't have done it. He did it. Now, you have these other people coming out, right? There's other people coming out. Um, what was like a, someone that 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 went to a wedding with him, uh, someone that used to work for him back when he worked in the Clinton administration, and all these other stories saying, you know, now that I think about it, yeah, Cuomo did say weird things to me. Yeah, now that I think about it, yeah, Cuomo did hug me for a little too long. Yeah, now that I think about it, he did make some weird remarks. And they're coming out and they're telling their stories. Guys, the more people that, to me, the more people that come out and tell these stories, right? It just looks worse and worse for the actual accusers, okay? Because the stories are so like, oh, you know what? Now that people are attacking Cuomo, let me get on this, let me get on this hype and attack Cuomo uh, attack Cuomo as well. Yes, we were in a wedding and, uh, you know, he he kissed my cheek or he kissed my hand and I didn't want that and it was inappropriate. Like, come on, son, seriously? Seriously? Okay, we're going to make a big deal out of, you know, him kissing hands, the governor of New York? All right? Look, now, it, as for women, if you felt violated, right, because the governor kissed your hand, he held, he hugged you for too long or he said inappropriate things, I get it. Say what you got to say. Do what you got to do, right? The governor went out there. He apologized. He's, he obviously didn't intend for, for those specific interactions. He didn't intend for you to feel terrible. And he went out. He apologized. People are calling him uh, to resign. Of course he's not going to fucking resign. Why should he resign? Why is there a, a investigation in the first place? This is what I don't get. People are calling him for him to resign, and at the same time, they want a separate investigation. Which one do you want? You want the investigation, or do you want him to resign? You got to pick one. It makes no sense to have both going at, at the same time. What if he resigns? What, what was the point of the investigation? The investigation is going to take time. Okay, guys, we're still, we still live in a country of due process, hopefully. All right? Give the man his time. Give the man uh, his, his investigation. Let the facts play out. And let there be a verdict, okay? Before then, don't call for resignations, okay? Calling for resignations and then also calling for a separate investigation. Like, what? what's the point of that? It's like you're trying to impeach uh, Donald Trump after he's out of office. Like, there, there really is no point of it. I get the idea that you don't want him to become president in 2024, but that's more of a personal vendetta, 
All right, that's more of a personal. I don't like the guy, so I don't want him to become president again, 2024. In terms of actual terms of impeaching, the purpose of impeaching. Okay, it's the guy's got to be actually in the office. It's the same story here. You want him to resign. And then there's also an investigation. Which one do you want, guys? All right, so look, Cuomo, look, as much as, as dirty as the man can seem and as disgusting as some of these stories sound, I want to be very cautious of calling, right? Calling out Cuomo and just constantly berating him and saying nasty things about him because, look, he had good moments and you can't deny that, okay? He had moments where he showed real leadership, which I will 100% as a Republican and him being a Democrat right, that I would support, right? I was very in favor of how Cuomo held his press briefings. I may not have agreed with his lockdown policies. I may not have agreed with the way he handled certain situations, right? whether it's the nursing homes or the restaurant industry or whatever policies, emergency powers that he used, I may not agree with it, but overall, right, as just him as a character, he was doing what he thought was the best for New Yorkers. And if you can't, and if you can't see that, and all you're seeing is just the negatives of Andrew Cuomo, and, and, and all you're seeing is as the guy is just a disgusting predator, and he's a murderer because of the, the nursing home in the back, and you're not giving him any sort of, you know, benefit of the doubt, I want, you, I want you to look at yourselves. I want you to think, what, well, then what's the point of due process? Am I part of the problem when we complain about cancel culture? We all hate cancel culture, right? Am I part of the problem if I'm reacting this way? So I'm asking you guys to take a step back, right, with Andrew Cuomo. Look at the things that he did well. Give the man some breathing room. Let the investigation play out. And then after that, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think that's fair to ask. Now look, there is a there is a funny thing that happened uh, within Texas, right? You have um, you have the governor of Texas that decided to out of it just seemed out of nowhere, right? He said, "All right, guys, uh, the mask mandate is lifted. Businesses open at hundred percent. Go do whatever the fuck you want to do." And the, I'm sorry, and the people, they went insane, right? It's like they lost their minds, right? You have Pedro O'Rourke who, and other political opponents who said, you know, the governor of Texas is killing the people of Texas. The governor is killing the people of Texas. You're opening up the state and your reaction is the governor is killing the people of Texas. And that gets front page news headlines on, on, right on on all mainstream media like we we complain about uh mainstream media we talk about mainstream media bias look at that article look at those headlines the governor decides to open up texas oh the governor is killing the people of texas really really what do you guys want what do you what more what what do, what do you guys want look do you think that the governor the governor went out there and his thought process, right? I, and I want you to be honest, right? Because this, like those headlines, it's just, it's showing absolutely no no faith, it's no good faith. 
It's absolutely throwing the this idea of of being an honest journalism, right? The idea of of you understanding the big picture of you trying to think what the other person was trying to do and you're just going to go out there and say the governor's trying to kill every motherfucker out there right texas governor's out there killing people because he opened up the country well why do you think he did it do you really think he sat in his office do you really think that the governor of texas sat in his office and said you know what would be a really great idea i hate the people of texas so much i want to kill all of them and i want to kill as many of them as i can so Guess what? I'm going to I'm going to lift the mask mandate and I'm going to tell businesses that they can open up because that's going to directly kill people. And that's what I'm going to do. Do you really think that was his intent? Okay, you're being extremely dishonest. The media is being absolutely dishonest. His political opponents are being terribly dishonest. And anyone who engages in that kind of thinking, in that kind of rhetoric, you're being very dishonest. Okay? Like, I'm not saying, I'm not saying because of his actions, there may be, uh, you know, an, an increase in hospitalization rates, which obviously equals an increase in deaths. That may happen. That absolutely may happen. But to say that his intent, okay, keyword here, intent, to say that his intent was to kill the people of Texas, the governor is killing the people of Texas, like that's the, that's the headline, that's what you get, that's the message you get out when gov when the governor of Texas opens up his his state. Guys, got to be a little honest here. Where is the honesty? All right. Now look. When it comes to when it comes to you know wearing masks, when it comes to social distancing, I can tell you here in New York, right? Many of us we're tired of wearing fucking masks. We're tired of social distancing, and you, I can guarantee you. Okay, I can guarantee you that when people gather, when people gather indoors, they don't have their fucking masks on. Okay, surprise, surprise. People are tired of these restrictions. They're tired of masks. That's not new. It's been happening. Let's be honest, folks. That's been going on. Many of us, we, we gather indoors. We don't put our masks on. I'm not saying everybody, but a I'm sure a large percent of us, we don't do that. And now we have to think, right? Why am I saying this? We have to think, what is the, <clears throat> what is the, you know, when, when the governor of Texas decided to open up his state fully and lift the mask mandate, where is the science or what, what is he, what data or graphs is he looking at to make this, to make this decision? Is he betting on, you know, more vaccines coming through, weather getting warmer, uh, people already built up, uh, you know, his, his, the people of Texas have already built up a certain level of antibodies. And now he decides, you know, it, it's gonna, it's, it's okay now. It's safe, or is it because, you know, maybe he saw the, he saw the, uh, the graph right between California and Florida, two completely different responses of how they handle Corona, but the results are virtually the same, right? When you scale population, the results of draconian lockdowns versus open the businesses, no mask mandate. The results are the same. The results aren't great, let me tell you. It's not like they, they really squashed COVID. Both states neither did, right? But the way that they reacted was completely different, but the results were the same. Now, did the Texas governor see that and say, well, maybe maybe all this, you know, masks and social distancing and, and you know, curfews and closing businesses down, maybe it was a mistake. Let's just open shit up. It's bad anyway, so... 
you know what, it doesn't make, it's not going to change anything if I open up. Maybe did he come to that conclusion? I don't know. I don't know. But what I'm saying is at least ask about those kind of things. At least think about that before you go out and say, the governor of Texas is killing the people of Texas. Come on, son. Can we be honest? Like, what are you saying? Like, if you just stop and think about what you're saying, you're going you're gonna to realize, okay, uh, maybe I'm being a little too rash here. A New York Times article just came out. Maybe some of you saw it. Uh, there was a graph of how many deaths by country per 100,000 population, right? Of deaths of uh, 100,000, I'm sorry, 100,000 COVID in infectants and what, what, you know, how many died, like what's the percent and how many, how many died. And, and it went, the graph went by country. And if you saw that graph, what was interesting to see was a lot of these poor countries within Asia and Africa did much better than countries like the US, uh, the UK, Germany, Italy and other, you know, European and Western countries. And you got to think, well, well, how, how is that possible? Because his, historically speaking, right, when you have some sort of health crisis, pandemics, usually it's the poorer countries that get affected the most. So the New York, this New York Times article, it attributes to, you know, uh, the, the U.S. has a higher uh, age population, right? Where our, our average age is, is, is a lot older than, other, uh, than these other countries. Um, there may be a lack of reporting of deaths in these other poor countries. Um, you know, these, these other countries were very strict in terms of international flights, especially with China and Europe. They basically blocked uh, flights coming in. Uh, immediately. Maybe that has to do something with it. And the answer is, I think it's yes to all those, right? It's yes to all those. But there's one thing that the New York Times didn't mention. It's obesity. Okay, it's obesity. Guys, did you know that in America, 40% of New York, uh, uh, sorry, 40% of adults are obese? 40%, that's right, 40% of American adults suffer from obesity. Now, we don't like to talk about obesity, right, in 2021, right? We, we don't want fat shame. We don't want, you know, body positivity. We don't want to talk about obesity. But the truth is, with obesity, right, it's a, it's, a medical, it's a medical issue. You have other things that come with obesity, right? Diabetes, heart problems, you know, artery issues, and a host of other things that can go wrong when you're obese. So when you have 40% of Americans that are obese... And you're inviting all these coronavirus comorbidities into your lives and you die from corona because of these comorbidities that you had from obesity, then maybe we should talk about obesity. Maybe we should talk about, man, Americans, we need to get healthier. We need to exercise more. We need to take our vitamins. We need to eat healthier. We need to be more active. Maybe, maybe that needs to be talked about more. Because, no, because, you know, in terms of when you see, you know, what are the best ways to prevent COVID and getting really sick from COVID, nobody's talking about personal health. Like it's a taboo thing to say, hey, make sure you're healthy. Hey, make sure you're active. Hey, make sure you're eating well. Like it's a very taboo thing to say that publicly. And my point is it shouldn't. When you're talking about, you know, uh, uh, the U.S., right, the richest country, 
in the world that has extraordinarily high death rates compared to other countries, you got to see that and you got to say, well, where did it all go wrong? And don't blame the healthcare system. Okay? There are countries with virtually no healthcare system and they're performing much better in terms of COVID deaths than the U.S. So it ain't the healthcare system. All right? It's not the healthcare system, guys. I'll show you the graph later. Look. You know, we need to open up. Right? Right? We need to open up. I'm, I'm thinking the pandemic has done what it's done. Right? It's killed businesses. It's, it's, it's ravaged uh, communities. Uh, it's made us more anxious. It's, it's made us more, you know, socially awkward. I mean, we're selling gifs of Mark Cuban dancing. Okay, we're headed to a, a very a weird, a very weird dystopian reality. Now, look, eventually we will open up, right? New York City and New York will open up, but it's a gradual buildup, right? It's a slow, it's a slow recovery, right? You have over a hundred thousand New Yorkers that left New York. Okay, that's tax money leaving New York. Okay, you have uh, a, a, an increasing crime problem within New York that people don't want to talk about or don't want to take care of, okay? That's got to be handled within New York, all right? You have, you have businesses, a third of restaurants in New York City shut down. That's a problem within New York. It's not like when you open things up, restaurant owners and business owners will be like, hey, look, uh, I'm just going to open my business back up now. No, they don't have the money to do so. You got a lot of, you got a lot of complicated problems even after you open up. Guys, we need, but the, at the end of the day, we need to open up because there is this level of human interaction that I think a lot of people are not getting, right? This human, to, I said this before, we're, we're a very communal society. We're, we're, our people are made to be within communities, right? To be with other people, to interact with other people. That's how we're built. We're societal beings. Now, when you have things like, you know, Zoom meetings, Okay, when you have things like digital church services, which I absolutely fucking hate. Okay, God, don't even get me started about digital church services. It's been awful. Guys, we need, we need to be with people, right? There's got to be a certain level of understanding where, all right, this thing with the coronavirus, it's a risk that we take. Just like when you go outside, okay, you risk all sorts of other things, as the moment you step out of your house, right? Now you just got to add coronavirus to one of those things. Okay, we'll, 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 we will wear masks, right? We will get vaccine, vaccinated, but it ain't 100% proof. The moment you step in a car, right? You're taking a risk. The moment you leave your house, you're taking a risk. Coronavirus, we have to come as a society to a point where we say it's just one of those risks. Okay, and don't don't give me that one life is too many nonsense. Come on, no policy has ever was ever made because of the potential of maybe one life dying. Okay, I'm not I'm not I'm not saying you know morally that's right or wrong. I'm just saying in terms of policy, how we shape rules and regulations within the United States, that's never been a thing. Okay, that's never been a thing. Now look, that's all I got for you today, guys. I want to I wanna leave you with this. Man, there's, there's a lot of news that happened. And one of the things that 
that I hear, okay, is Meghan Merkel. I'm sorry, Meghan, is it Meghan Merkel? What's her last name? Merkel? Is that, am I saying that right? I'm not even sure. Meghan, the UK Duchess getting bullied. Guys, this is news that we don't give a fuck about, all right? This is news that we shouldn't give a fuck about. But for some reason, all right, the, 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 the story, the drama behind Megan and her baby potentially having darker skin and is causing all these issues within the palace in the UK is covering morning and evening primetime news? Am I the only one that, that does not give a fuck about this UK royalty bullshit? Guys, we, first of all, we live in America. Okay, this is UK news. We live in America. All right. Second of all, I get it. It's like a fantasy, right? Like uh, Megan being in the royal family. She's a real princess, right? Uh, I get it. There is a certain type of fantasy that still people are drawn towards. No problem, right? Put that shit in the tabloids. Put that shit in page six. Okay, put that shit in like the last page of the New York Post. Don't put it on primetime morning and evening news. I don't want to I don't want to watch NBC and and the first headline that comes up is the 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 interview with Oprah Winfrey and Megan. That like that shouldn't be a thing right now. There's other things to cover in the United States that's going on and uh this should not take precedent over these other things. So Guys, I don't know what the hell is up with that fascination with the royal family in UK. Complete nonsense. News that we just do not give a fuck about. Guys, thank you so much for listening. This is the Millennial Boomer Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, follow to the podcast, and follow the Instagram page at millennialboomer underscore. Also, subscribe, like, and comment on YouTube. Catch you next time.